I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week you have me, you have Leo, Hello. and you have Huggy. What's up? As usual, we have a guest. This week's guest is from Area 5, but it's the part of Area 5 that needs to be annexed by Area 8. I think we're going to do a hostile takeover. Um, he's also a candidate for USPSA president, uh, but we'll get into the more of that next week. Welcome, everybody. Steve Moneypenny to the show. How you doing, Steve? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Really good. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself real quick? Uh, well, my name is Steve Moneypenny. Um, I've been shooting now for about 20 years. Uh, last few years, I've been kind of uh, discontent with the way things are going, so I decided to throw my name in the hat for USPSA president um, and then a whole bunch of other things. I've been uh, match director for about five years in my local club. We've done three-gun USPSA and Steel Challenge. Uh, I've actually, my, actually, I was 18 years old when I started shooting uh, USPSA. So it's been a lifelong love of mine and it's been something that I can watch people come out and do from the time that they're six or seven years old. And we have some 80 and 90 year old shooters. So it's just something I love and I want to share with the world. Okay. Awesome. All right. So Steve, what we normally do, um, as you've probably heard, because you said you've listened to some of the episodes is we start off with five questions where we get to know our guest in this case, get to know Steve. Okay. Sounds good. Take All it right. away, Leo. So you got really lucky. I get to ask the first question. And I have been, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but your name has inspired me. And I have been waiting <laughs> since I found out you were going to be on to ask this question. It's a two-parter for you, okay. which doesn't often happen. Are you ready? <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Favorite movie overall and Mr. Moneypenny, favorite Bond movie? <laughs> uh, my favorite movie overall is kind of a tie between Ghostbusters and Batman. That, that will definitely date me. Okay, yeah, hold on. I have a follow-up. Okay. Original Ghostbusters. Yes, and Michael okay. Keaton Batman. Okay, we're, we're still good. Yes. Okay, we can still be friends. I can say Afterlife was pretty awesome. Though. Okay. Um, favorite Bond movie? Oh, anything with Sean Connery in it. There's oh. man, the man's Ooh. just got something about calm and cool and suave. Okay, because if you had said <clears throat> Roger Moore, I'm, I might have pretended <laughs> my phone broke again. And just been like, we're done. Okay, okay, we're good. All right, uh, what do you got, Huggy? Okay, so my question to you is, what is your favorite? book you see i don't read a whole lot so okay. my favorite book um I, I used to read a lot but um i've gotten away from that in the past 
decade or so. My favorite book is Practical Shooting Beyond the Fundamentals with Brian Enos. <laughs> I've probably read it about six times, and I find something new every time I read it. And I also have it on audiobook. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add something into this. So, uh, where do you where do you call your hometown? Where is your like hometown area? Uh, my home is my hometown is the closest to the city of Weston, West Virginia. Guess what? My wife is from Glenville, West Virginia. Oh my God! Exactly. <laughs> so that's why I said. I think we probably ran into each other or passed by each other many a times because we go back there to go hunting. I don't know all the time. So absolutely, no doubt about that. Yes. So go Glenville State. What, what, year, did she, what year did she graduate uh, high school? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I don't want to date her because if I do, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> if you tell me you dated Huggy's wife. I will vote for you for president. <laughs> no question asked. I can't tell you that because I've never dated a graduate of Wimbledon State College. You will get my endorsement. You call a few college people, yes, but I've never dated anybody that graduated from the uh, high school in Glenville. You should have lied, man. The funny part is, <laughs> uh, well, let's. Huggy's north of fifty, so chances so, are you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. You probably dated her. You probably dated her cousin or two of hers, but that's about that's it. Possible. Yes. So I would have taken uh, extended family members. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when I think I think you said made a comment earlier about how all of us had nicknames and you didn't. Mm -hmm. I think we just called you since you uh, went to Glenville State. Of course, their mascot is the Pioneer. Mm -hmm. I think you fit that perfectly. <laughs> I think that should be your nickname, the Pioneer. We might be I able think, to do that. There's a lot of things I'd like to pioneer this sport. Exactly. See, I think it's perfect for you. So. I actually graduated from Glenville State College, and uh, when I say Weston's the nearest town, most people never figure out where exactly. it is. Exactly. I am exactly, exactly in between Weston and Glenville on US 33, and I'm setting 40 feet from the road right now. Ah, <laughs> see? Um, oh, trust me. I know it. Very well, go buy it all the time. So, um, and also, and also, also, uh, a former movie star, well, actually, still a movie star, went there, played football for Glenville State, then transferred out. Um, can't remember Tatum that Channing dude. was there when I was uh, there. Yeah, Tatum Channing. So, there you go. He went to Glenville State College, Ch Ch Channing Tatum. Yes, that guy. That guy. Yeah. That's yeah. what I said. As is uh, cousin, yeah, <laughs> cousin correct name, yeah, that's cool. Like you know, Taran Butler. We don't we don't, we don't take Huggy out very often. <laughs> that famous guy whose name I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, so we're going to move on to the next question. Next question for you is: Who is your favorite superhero? And you can't say underdog. Yes, you can. Well, since since it was one of my favorite movies, definitely Batman. See, uh, because there was nothing, there was nothing, uh, nothing super about the guy. You know, he didn't have any special abilities. He had a lot of travesty, and he overcome all of it to do good things. So I think that that is more about being a superhero than it is just having some cool powers. I mean, he did have a super budget. 
That's true. I've always wanted to be rich. I'll never will be. But yeah. Like if I was gonna flaunt my money, that would be like a bat belt and a dope yeah. car. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Always had cool toys too. Yep. Yes, he did. That's right. It's almost like being back there, being like a was it I L Morse. <laughs> I think I just got more money than Batman. Exactly. I think I think he might be Batman at one point in time. So, all right, go ahead. Well, please. I got the next question, and it is another two-parter. You're welcome. Uh, your favorite gun <laughs> and your favorite caliber, and they do not have to marry up. My favorite gun's a Sig P320. Um, it just kind of fell into. Uh, I hurt you. I kind of fell into into it because of what Team Sig was doing. I handled one and loved it. And my favorite caliber is not it. Well, I guess there's like three of them that exist, but is the 10 millimeter. Um, I grew up hunting, fishing and stuff like that. And, you know, more power is always better. Um, and I actually, my first production classifiers with were a Glock 20 and 10 millimeter. A little overpowered for production, but uh, got me classified in D class. <laughs> uh, Smith and Wesson just came out with the M&P in 10 millimeter a little I bit saw ago. That. Yeah, Julie Gallup did a really good video about it. I have high hopes for that gun. I haven't got a chance to get my hands on one of them yet. But, uh, Bruce has done a handful of P320s. It's a really, it's a very interesting platform. The fire control units are about the same size. Mm -hmm. And uh, they actually have a 320 out there that will take STI mags. So... Uh, if you look at Mason Lane's videos, that that's the not the one he actually won nationals with, but some of the others, um, he has the prototype, and it's pretty amazing. So that'll be easy, something easy to stick up to ten millimeter. All right, Steve. I know this is not. Uh, I did a quick Google search of you earlier, and I know this is not your first time you've run for office. Uh oh. Hopefully, it's my now first we, successful one. <laughs> now, what what can you tell us about your foray into politics in West Virginia? Um, money wins elections. Okay. Um, I ran for House of Delegates in 2008 as kind of a political stunt to get my name out there with real estate. Uh, I didn't do real well. I learned a good bit then. Um, and in 2020, I ran again more seriously. Um, I had a really good plan going into it, and then COVID struck. And our governor told us we're not supposed to see people, we're not supposed to go out anywhere, do this, do that. Meanwhile, I, my day job is I work for the Office of Emergency Management. Um, so it would be rather ridiculous of me to be standing there telling people one thing and then doing the opposite. Uh, so I did not get to do the door-to-door -door that I was hoping to do. Um, the good thing is, much like this USPSA election, there were a number of good candidates out there. And I think there was seven or eight candidates running. It got boiled down to two. The guy that won the Republican primary, he was also running on a very similar platform as I was. Um, and we things lined up pretty good. You know, if I'd have known he was running beforehand, I probably would not have ran against him. So I learned a lot, a lot which I hope to bring into this uh election and when i joke about it being successful versus unsuccessful i think you know you don't win every match you shoot a lot of them you learn from so 
after seeing how things have went since he's been in there, I'm pretty glad I didn't win that one. Um, I've, I've been elected to a few things before. I was president of the board of realtors and vice president for both for two terms. So the election process is a rather interesting thing, I think. Okay. Well, I, I, I like your, I like your motto that you always that you had on there is that you're always learning. That's one thing I saw on there. You're always learning, so that's a good thing. So my my next question before we got into the shooting stuff was, um, going to be asking what you do uh, for your full time occupation, and you say you work for Office of Emergency Management. <clears throat> I work for Lewis County. Um, I have two or three titles. <laughs> um, I First is addressing and mapping, uh, which basically we assign addresses and we make sure the maps are up to date. My other title is the floodplain manager, uh, which is basically code enforcement. There isn't any really building codes, electrical codes and stuff enforced on a residential level. So... With FEMA losing a ton of money on various hurricanes, they started requiring us to keep track of every new thing built. So that became the floodplain manager's responsibility. So I do those for the county. I'm also the secretary for the planning commission. Um, I'm also the secretary for the Lewis Upshur Local Emergency Planning council so basically we do that tie, ties in a lot with the floodplain manager and um, i am also the secretary for the advisory board to the 911 council wow okay so that, that that's my day job and at night uh, i do part-time work for an hvac friend of mine and uh I'm my fiance slave labor and I run a gun shop <laughs> <laughs> while being a master oh, director once a month -ish. Okay. You say you run a gun shop? Yes. Okay. Um, I do custom gun work on pretty much anything modern you know, AR 15s, AK 47s, um, you know, any basic battle rifles and stuff like that. I'm a gray gun certified armor, I'm a Glock armor. Um, so Glock SIGs, Berettas, HKs, that type of stuff. People want sights on them, trigger jobs, um, anything that's wrong with them, broken. Um, my joke is you can buy a gun anywhere, but I can make it run. Uh, so is that right. located in Weston also? Uh, I'm actually on the Lewis-Gilmer line with that. Oh, okay. Um, it's, uh, it's halfway between Weston and Glenville's where that is. Yep. Okay. And I'm also uh, on range, so I get all kinds of cool range demos and stuff like that. So that's why I was joking about when I saw the silencers up there on the wall. Um, like, yeah, all you got to do is click, and uh, they'll send you one to try out and play with. And the next thing you know, you got to pay for it. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess that uh, that's the hard and painful I, part. Yes. Paying yeah. for it. So next time when I'm actually in town, I'll have to slide by the shop there. Most definitely. I mean, maybe maybe don't make it sound so weird when you say it though. I, I, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll stop by the shop there. there you go. Thank you. No, okay. <laughs> All right, for those of uh, those in the audience listening, so where in West Virginia are you located? North, south, east, west. <laughs> is, this, is this an explicit show or? Uh... 
G-rated? We try to keep it's, hugging under control, but... Yeah, it's anything rated. Okay, it's... so if you take the picture of West Virginia, I'm right in the middle. <laughs> okay. So All right, now we know. Crosshairs on us, uh, you're pretty much going to hit Weston. Uh, maybe just a little bit south of us in the middle. Uh, there's a little thing in West Virginia in Weston that says the heart of West Virginia. Uh, so yeah, we're right. In the okay. Uh, okay. I-79 goes straight up and down through the state, and we're right off of that. Yep. Yeah. Get off. Okay. Uh, get off at Burnsville. And keep yep. going. Oh <laughs> yeah. All right. So now talking shooting. Um, when did you first shoot a gun? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think I was about four, th- four or five um, behind a twenty-two that somebody else was, of course, holding. Um, earliest memories I have of guns was, you know, keep asking my grandfather about them when I was, you know, three or four years old, looking at him hanging up on the gun rack over his bed. Um, but I started shooting probably, you know, four or five, somewhere around there. I wasn't allowed to carry a gun, do anything like that, hunt or anything until I was about 12. Okay. That's about right. Now, how did you, so at what age did you find the USPSA or whatever competition it was you started with? Well, um, I, I was actually watching, I think it was like ESPN or something. I was about 14 and I thought I saw steel challenge on there. I thought that is absolutely amazing. I'd like to do that. Well, of course, there was at that time there was nothing like that around. So fast forward a few years, I turned eighteen, bought a handgun, went to a hunting and fishing days that we had at the Stonewall Jackson Dam, and Todd Jarrett was there giving a demo. So I watched his demo twice, and went up and asked about it, and he pointed me to a local club that was in Clarksburg, which is about forty minutes north of me, and when I was I think I just turned 19 at the time, um, and I made it up to that club. And I shot. I drove to Lexington, Kentucky, which is about four hours away, to shoot a GSSF match the fall before. So I started shooting that. Um, met quite a few people that are still friends today at that same match. And one of them made a smart, what I thought was a smart aleck comment, that uh, you're ready to learn how to shoot that thing, call me. And he left and didn't give me his phone number. <laughs> Um, <laughs> turns out he was an ex-Special Forces vet who was a firearms instructor and uh, a very, very good instructor. So um, his name was Eric Lawrence, and the ne- I ran into him at the post office in Weston shortly thereafter, and he drug me to an IDPA match. So I started, you know, USPSA and IDPA about the same time. He taught me how to shoot some, and um, I was kind of off to the races. I couldn't get enough of it. You still shoot IDPA much now? I do if there's a good match I can go to. Um, a lot of people want to want to paint a sport into a box, and I, I don't think that's possible because, uh, especially with IDPA, everybody has their own ideas. Um, you may go to a match where it used to be a guy that was just mad because race guns got to him, um, and he still run a match that you would think is a USPSA match, and you'll go to a match where somebody that doesn't has never even seen an IDPA match is holding a match. Um, so it's really club dependent. We have a good club in Morgantown. If I can get free on the first Saturdays, um, I go up and shoot it at Mason Dixon. Um, I'm not very far from Fort Harmer, which used to be Ken Hackathorn's home club. They have really good matches. 
Um, sadly, they had it on a day of the same day as a USPSA match. So I haven't been able to shoot that one as much in the last few years. But yes, I, I'll definitely shoot anything that goes bang. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I think IDPA gets a, a bad rap. It's it's a fun match to shoot. So They definitely can be. Um, and that's something else that's part of my uh, my program for USPSA president is making things fun. You know, we can we can all be grouchy, uh, grumpy people if we want to be. Uh, but if we have a, a good attitude and good customer service, it makes what might be a less exciting event much nicer. So what what division in USPSA do you shoot? I'm currently shooting carry optics and anything else I can get a gun for. <laughs> so a SIG 320 with what on top of it? Um, it's a P320RX uh, with the Romeo one that came on it. Um, I've probably got about 50,000 round, rounds to it. I've got a spare one sitting there. Um, I've got the RX because it gives me a set of backup night sights. I, I really like that for a number of reasons. Um, there's a lot of guys that say they don't need sights, but um, I've watched some really good shooters lose that dot going around hard leans and just awkward positions. So sometimes having that dot to bring, having the sights to bring that dot back to me has been a really big help. Well, and I mean, we've had people on who have talked about, you know, and you've seen the posts on Instagram where they're in the middle of a stage and the dot turns off for one reason or another. Yeah, my uh, my first carry optics match was USPSA Nationals. The first carry optics USPSA Nationals. Nice. And uh, I shot that with a 320RX that was borrowed from one of the other Grey Guns shooting team members. We actually switched guns between shooters. Okay, you're done with this stage. I'll take my gun back. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, so I come home. I found my own. I went to a match with it. I practiced for a month and a half or so, and I thought I was going to be awesome. I went to the first stage, just like 10 poppers, you know, make ready. You know, there was three guys. They made, load and make ready. Um I pull the gun out. I try to turn the dot on. The dot won't turn on. And I'm like, crap. Well, I guess I got irons. So I you know, double check my irons and put my gun in the holster. And a buddy of mine says, how do you like that dot? And I'm like, don't know. Battery's dead. <laughs> wow. Put a new battery in it. And uh, no problem since. But, you know, I, I tend to change it out before a major match now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Leo, you're on uh, mute. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to – I didn't want to interrupt his, his train of thought, but I brought it up because this is – I changed the optic. It's a Grace optic, but this is the RX, um, and I just wanted okay. to be able to show – it's unloaded and everything. The uh, You can co-witness because of the, the height of the sights. Go the other way. There you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> okay. So. Huh? Very interesting optic. Yeah, so it doesn't have a, a roof <laughs> up top. It was on fire, Man. so he let it burn. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice, though, because when you actually line it up, you, like, you're not worried about cutting anything off, but you mm -hmm. can still center. And they, it's painted on top so that there's no, like, additional blur or anything like that or, or washout or, or bloom or whatever. Um, so that's but yeah. Brace? Great, yeah, Grace Optic. 
Uh, right there. Now, now turn it the other way again so we can see it from the rear. <laughs> there you go. Tilt it a little bit here more. Now Up turn right there. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a nice optic. <laughs> it is. Don't yeah. act like it's the one you get that I bought from you. I had like four before I bought the one you had. Just saying the fact it wouldn't. I'm just saying it wouldn't fit my gun. That's it. That's all. The poor man that blames his tools. <laughs> <laughs> so, what class are you, Steve? Um. <clears throat> okay, so back when I was shooting a lot, I made grandmaster. Okay. In which division? Anymore so much, but. <laughs> Uh, the, the least I can be as a master, uh, I have no clue what my classification is right now. Um, I mean, it's, it's, my, it's M. I'm classified in all the divisions as an M. Um, right. That's one of the things that I would like to to, to make some changes to. Like, for instance, I, could, I might be able, you know, if, yeah, production and carry optics, there's not a big difference there. But um, I shoot a rifle on the level of a B-class shooter. <laughs> and uh, I don't. I think I shoot revolver about C class. So there's a couple of things there. Where I don't think it's fair that you can only do one class below. Um, and I do. We do have a process to to lower classification. Um, but I I don't think I'll ever do that. But I think for a lot of folks that are older, um, that you know, I have one friend that runs a club in, in the southern part of the state. And he shot a ton one year. He made master. He was a legit master. And now he's a, it's been two years and he's a legit B-class shooter. And he doesn't foresee with his job and stuff ever being able to get back to shooting that level. Um, so he has expressed an interest. And I, I outlined the process for him. You, you can petition the board and they can drop your classification. But I think it would be nice if that was easier to do, that you didn't have to actually write a letter. You could just, you know, click a couple places on the website and, a couple guys take a look at it, and boom, there you are. Okay, so that, that brings up an interesting question. What are your um, thoughts on your classification changing up and down based on your scores? I like it. <clears throat> Ipsic does that. Um, I actually like it, too. I don't know why... I've only been in this game now. August will be four years, okay? But I've shot other stuff in the past. It was competition, um, and I don't. So I don't know when the USPSA went to this type of a system, and I don't know. Since I've shot since I started shooting in ninety eight, ninety nine. So okay, down. Okay, so it's I been around that, for quite a bit. You can go down, but you have to petition the board and ask for them to drop it. Um, and, I, and that's one of the things that, you know, in, in my campaign, I want to, you know, be a hard line on the, the whole cheating aspect where people um, just stand there and just burn down classifiers and stuff like that, and, and especially the guys that change things. You know, if you can do it, yeah, you can do it. And it may, it may not be ethical or, or stuff, but, you know, not necessarily making that so terrible. But if you want to keep a GM classification or an M classification, uh, I think it should be something that you should at least have to shoot, you know, a percentage of those classifiers there to keep that or welcome back to either master or a class. Cause there's a lot of folks out there that just want to get that GM card and that's it. 
Um, and I, right. I hate to take things away from those guys, but when you look in, in, in the classification system and you see how many people are GMs and how many people are shooting on a GM level, that's, it's not really, it's like we have 35,000 members and about 12, 13,000 of them participating. Um, I thank everybody else for their membership, uh, but keeping a classification up there and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people. I've, I've been doing this for 20 years. The average turnover in this sport is around 4.5 years. Um, for people that, you know, they get in, they run up as good as they can get, and they, they drop off. So <clears throat> to a lot of these guys, it's not really fair that we force them to stay there at GM level. So I, I think having at least something there where they can go back at, at least one classification level if they're not keeping the classifications up, um, I think it would be good. I don't know how to do that to keep it from people that saying, hey, I, I, well, I got promoted to master from master to GM by winning a couple area matches. I'd like to get a couple more trophies and maybe some stuff off the prize table. So I'm going to tank a couple classifiers so I don't have to be up there competing with the big dogs again. So, well, and, I, and I have a feeling, and I have a feeling that's why this system is set the way it is, so that you can't just go up, you know, get your GM card and then slide back down and compete yeah. with other people at a lower level. So and I do like the way IDPA does the distinguished master. Uh, basically, if you win nationals um, or a regional match with X amount of people there that are masters, then you get the the DM. Uh, right. You, you can't do that by shooting a 55 second classifier. Um, and I haven't shot the new classifier yet, sadly. Um, but I know they were like nineties, high nineties got you master. And Dave Savigny, Bob Vogel, and a few other people were shooting low sixties consistently. I could never really break 70, but that's still a long dang way from 98 seconds. Right. Wow. Now, as I understand it, you caved to peer pressure from a relatively unknown shooter to give open a shot. Can you confirm <laughs> or deny? Well, um, I don't know about a relatively unknown shooter. When I when I got the open, I got the open bug. Um, it was because I wanted to win high overall at the matches. And it seemed like, and I couldn't get beat the open shooter with my production gun. So I gave open a try, I think it was 2005 or six. And I'll say it was the worst year of shooting that made me the best shooter. Um, shooting open, uh, how do I put this? Shooting open taught me so much about my shooting that it was invaluable. Um, but I could never get that whole dot offset down. I was always looking at the back of my gun because at the same time, um, my primary goal in shooting is carrying a gun. And it, it's always been that way. That's why I got into competitive shooting. So I could never go and just completely go completely open. So I was always carrying an iron sighted gun. So if you've shot much open, you know you present a lot lower with an open gun than you do a carry gun. Carry optics really brought that into me. Uh, I am building a, a 320 for open class. 
So who, so for the people who don't know, who was the one who talked you into trying open? Uh, Max Michelle. Never heard of him. Hmm. <laughs> he was very convincing, especially after I paid him for a couple classes, and he watched. I bet. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're gonna go jam that much, you might as well shoot open. There you go. I touched his hand once. <laughs> <laughs> Hands are kind of rough. <laughs> well, we 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 fist bumped, so. Oh, that's good. I mean, he, he has me to thank for winning uh, last year, or well, sorry, year before, I guess. But when you talk, you talk yeah. about me saying creepy things, and you telling people you touched his hand. It's mm. all about the delivery. Nobody here was oh, bothered by that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Steve said his hands were rough. I'm okay with that. (laughs) In the highly likely event that Mr. Michelle is listening to this, uh, you're welcome. (laughs) I'd say he's probably dry firing. Yeah. He was very unhappy about last year. Yeah. Yes, he was. But he's probably doing it listening to this, you know, (laughs) obviously for motivation. He's He's like, Leo didn't touch my hand. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> now, you, but you briefly touched on it earlier, um, but we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and ask this question: um, What exactly is making you want to be the USPSA president? Well, um, I think the, the biggest thing that I want to see is a focus on fairness. Um, the last few years, we've had a lot of controversy. Uh, we've switched completely how we ran the organization, and now we've switched it, or we've threatened to and expectantly are switching it back. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to make anybody mad that's on there because these, these people have all been changed out um, over the past four or five years. I mean, some of the guys are just a year on, maybe a year, maybe two years on. Uh, so they're doing things that haven't been done before that haven't been done. Right. I know Layton's pretty new. Ted's pretty new. Um, there's a lot of these guys that are catching a lot of heat and people say I'm part of the old establishment because I have three pretty close friends that have been board members. Um, and, uh, or area directors, I guess you would call them. And two of the three of them have told me, don't do it. It will ruin your opinion of shooting and the organization. Um, <clears throat> so, But I'm like, you know, I, I feel that I have the leadership ability to, to make a difference. Uh, I have, a, I guess, a vision to pioneer a few things out there. One of them is that we, since we bought Steel Challenge, uh, they put in a classification system and it has exploded. You know, this is also part of the fact that, you know, Rimfire was the only thing that a lot of people could shoot that our participation in steel challenge has went through the roof uh the steel challenge part of it i see no reason why it cannot be an olympic sport um, if they would ever add a shooting sport i think it would be steel challenge um, it was made for tv it just did not get the success that it needed um, throughout the late 90s early 2000s I, i'm also a multi-gun shooter um, when, I, when i got back into shooting about 2014 2015 Multi-gun was all the rage. If you wanted to win a little bit of money, if you wanted to be cool, you had to shoot multi-gun. Luckily for me, I had a shotgun, and I had trained with that shotgun, and I was pretty decent with it because we used to do a bunch of side matches. 
and a few other three-gun matches. Um, I think in 05 or 06, I shot my first three-gun match, and I was second in it. Um, you know, probably 10 years between the time I shot shot the others. Um, as, as I was opening a club, um, my plan was not to really open a club. <laughs> my plan was to drive around and shoot where other people had worked, help them out a little bit, and do that. But I had a guy that I met and became a pretty good friend with. He said, I'll help you run a three-gun match. I said, well, I have a lot more experience running USPSA matches. And he's like, well, I'll help you run a three-gun match. I'll shoot through a USPSA. I'm like, oh, help versus no help. I'll take the help. We'll do a three-gun match. Um, <laughs> so I jumped into that. We became three-gun nation certified. Um, two years later, I took six people to nationals. I managed uh, fifth or sixth place in PCC at the time. And... Uh, most of most of those guys still shoot some, but with uh, with Three Gun Nation shutting down, it's really hurt that. So I want to see multi gun be what it once was, and I think the only way to do that is with a national level classification system. I think that's what the sport's lacking. A uh, few people have tried. Um, I love UML. Pete makes a heck of a match. He's a great guy, but their their system for scoring not scoring, excuse me, their system for classification is more for a local club. So you get your club classifications. It doesn't compare you to other people at nationals. Um, so I think that's going to be the big thing that we can help and offer on a national level for multi-gun people to get their clubs coming uh, to USPSA. I think that's going to add us some members and it's going to add some activity fees and some really awesome sponsors. Um, I like the way a lot of things are done in IPSC. I'm not I'm not talking about the matches, but the fact that they have a rifle competition and they have a shotgun competition. We can have those here in the U.S. There's been a few very successful shotgun matches. And, like, the number one selling platform out there is the AR-15. That's Let's give let's give people places to play with their AR-15. And what that will do for us on a political aspect is it will make the AR-15 sporting rifle part a lot more sporting. If people see space guns and start, well, that's an AR-15, it's going to look way different than that, like, 1975 A2 or the 1985 M M16 A4s that are out there. Um, so th that gives it a very legitimate sporting purpose in places where they're trying to get rid of anything that's not a sporting gun. Sorry to kind of jump on a tirade there. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I, I do have some questions you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. We're, well, we're going to... I'll ask you in the order that I wrote them. Okay. You said uh, one of those guys advised you not to run for president because it'll ruin your view of shooting. What did he two mean by that? Did. Oh, two of uh, them did. I'm sorry. The the politics involved in it and the pressure. Um, when they were members of the board, there was a lot of pressure on them to do things that they weren't comfortable with. Um, they, they met a lot of pushback and none of those people are members currently, uh, of the board, but they just didn't like what they were seeing from the other people that were members at the time. And, okay. So they were getting pushback from the membership, uh, not the membership, the other, the other, uh, the board, other board members. Okay. Yes. And, uh, of course this, this also was a lot around the time that, you know, Dave had passed away. There was a lot of 
difference in the membership. We got a couple of executive directors in there that should never have been. Um, I loved Kim. She did an awesome job, but she was not executive director material. Uh, I did not know the other gentleman that was there for the, is the reason why they gave Mike the reins, so to speak, but he did not do a satisfactory job, obviously. So then we got Mike Foley in and Mike is a very domineering personality. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have worked for how many people, but there's just some people that it feels like are pressuring you to, to do this and vote this or else. And I think that's what a lot of people felt whenever they got uh, done with the conversation with Mike. And I, I know okay. I like Mike Foley. I'm not going to sit here and, and trash talk. Him. I'm not going to trash talk anybody, especially the current board members, because I'm hoping to, um, well, I'm hoping to beat two of them in an election and, I, and then I'm going to have to work with them as soon as I do. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that puts it in a very awkward situation. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to burn those bridges. Um, so you, you talk about multi-gun and wanting to add some more stuff. There's a lot of questions about that. Um, I'll start with for people who don't know what three gun nation was, what was it? Uh, three gun nation was a made for TV sport. That involved rifle, pistol, shotgun, and later PCC. They they use a time plus scoring system. Uh, there's a bit of a flaw with a complete time plus scoring system, but basically, if you took 30 seconds to do it and you got so many points down, they just add time to that, and then they add up the time of that stage. They add up the time of the others, the next stage, and it made the math real easy. They had some fast courses. Uh, mainly, it was Bay style. So that means everything would fit in a 50-yard bay, and it was made to be televised. They got on TV. They got a lot of big sponsor dollars out there. They did some shoot-offs, which are an absolute blast to do. And, you know, it's man-on-man, the mano-a-mano thing. Um, you know, Jerry Micklick shooting against um, Keith Garcia. you got guys out there that, you know, the, the gun shoots faster than the steel falls. So it's, it's great viewership. Um, we got into a bad political environment, uh, while Mr. Obama was president, everything was becoming very more and more liberal with the television stations and they lost their television. They couldn't keep that going with streaming. And there were some other problems with the organization. Um, they grew so fast they couldn't sustain basically. Okay. So they just implode basically. I think that's the best way of putting it. They just kind of imploded. They tried to sell a couple of the guys that started it were working really hard, um, decided they want to do some other things in life, which was uh, Rob Romero and Charles soul. And after they left the organization, um, then it changed hands shortly thereafter and things just never got picked back up. Is that, are you looking to bring something like that to the USPSA not necessarily that. Now, I will say if the price was right, I think it would be a good idea for USPSA to pick that up and capitalize on it. Um, but I, I think in a complete broad spectrum, I think we need to get more of a television type presence. Um, the bottom line is with the heads on the target, that's never going to be a huge thing for USPSA. Um, I'm not going to stand there and take tell people to take the heads off the targets. Uh, I, I like them. I like the targets. I come from a tactical background. Um, if that's something that the rest of the world wants, I'll support it. 
Um, but I'm not going to, to push that out there. But I think with Steel Challenge, we have that ability to make that the almost the figurehead of the organization. Um, with, the, with the speed, I mean, it, it is right there and ready for that. Uh, the main things that I want to do for with Multigun are I'd like to add a modified division so that we can get let the carry out. Carry optics is our biggest division. Um, two guns are going to be coming out with that too. Um, it, it has gained a lot more popularity than the three gun itself just because of the shotgun. I don't know why people shy away from the shotgun. Maybe it's because it doesn't hold much ammo. It take, as soon as you get start having fun, it runs out of ammo or it's finicky with big boxes. Um, but, to get back on track, I want to give the multi-gun the fo- there's there's folks out there that are already shooting multi-gun. I want to give them a reason to be USPSA members and the clubs. Uh, we have a club near Charleston. Uh, there's two clubs near Charleston, so I'm not going to point out which one it is, but they do multi-gun and they run an outlaw match. Uh, I've spoken to them about making it a USPSA multi-gun match, and they're like, well, what benefit would that give us? And I stood there and stared at them. I'm like, it'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) um, That was kind of the end of my conversation there. That's where I started thinking, like, you know, what what, what do we have? What do we have to offer for activity fees? Because if you shoot, if you have a USPSA match, you have to pay activity fees. And we have not been giving them anything to really offer. We don't even have a classification system for those guys. Uh, The rule sets, um, they just got opened up some to help us out a lot. And when people see you running around with shotguns and rifles, they get a lot more squeamish than they do pistols because they've gotten used to seeing the pistols. So I don't really want to try to make multi-gun bigger than USPSA. I just want to make it a place where we can allow people to enjoy some other guns and allow some people that are participating in another sport that I feel needs a little bit better organization. And the size that USPSA is, is has the ability to, to do that without a tremendous amount of work. Now, Steel Challenge, what do you, what do you think about the number of stages? I've talked, excuse me, I've talked to probably eight or nine people that are pretty much at the head of Steel Challenge. Steel Challenge shooters seem to like it. Um, you would think those who are at the top and the pinnacle of either making gear um, or shooting, um, they don't mind there being eight stages. Now, there are actually more than eight stages. Um, If you run a steel challenge match, if I run a steel challenge match, a lot of times I'll only run three uh, steel challenge stages and I'll run two or three other stages. They don't have to be as big or as long. Uh, for instance, one a lot of times I'll run a plate rack with five plates on it. That's pretty simple. They do fall down for center fire. Um, all you have to do is hit them with a 22, and that's a stage. Just because there are only eight classifier stages, so to speak, doesn't mean you can only run eight stages. There's a stage called Double Trouble that can either be ran with a – 18 by 24 or a, a 12 inch circle and a 10 inch circle. It's like two to the body, one to the head. So it's bam, bam, bam. And when you do it from low ready, it's like a 1.5 or 1.6 second three shot stage. Um, 
so there are a lot of fun stages that are in there. Uh, I haven't heard anybody say they want new stages. So I think you shouldn't mess with things that are working. Okay. Now, if, if and what, that's one of the other things that I want to bring tra- a lot of transparency to, um, to the board and to the sport. Being the fact that I do have a lot of experience working with boards, all of our boards, including the USPSA uh, Board of Directors, are governed by Robert's Rules of Order. And they're not being used, I don't think, in the right way, just by looking at the minutes and how the minutes should be compared to that document. Um, so I think we could make the sport a lot more transparent that way. And right now we have a lot of guys, um, our eight board our board members, so we have eight of those guys and two of them are saying that they've heard one. I've heard it one way from all my members and uh, at least two of the others are saying, well, everybody was going along with it. Everybody thought it was a good idea to change the rule book thing. Um, for, I have, I have some varying opinions on that. A lot of it needed done, but I didn't like the way it was going about. I wasn't vocal about it because, well, I didn't, I, I, me, I didn't even feel that my opinion was going to matter that much to getting them to do any of the board members to do it. They'd worked hard towards something, but now we've got one guy saying everybody wanted this and another guy saying everybody wanted this. Well, being in IT, I know that it's pretty simple to put together a survey system. Um, so whether we use our own system or we just have a Google account um, where we can put out a survey and we can have data to back up those decisions. Um, USPSA is, is not above anything else. When I was in real estate, every decision we made as part of the multiple listing service, which covers half the state and was a multi-million dollar organization, was expected to get sued at some point. So if you, if you go in and say, all my members told me to do this, well, how's that going to hold up in court? It's not. Right. right. You know, that, people are just going to say, bull, you know, and the judge is going to say, where, how can you quantify that? How can you prove? Did you write down every time somebody said vote no? Well, no, I didn't write that down. I just kind of keep a tally in my head. I, I'm going to get crucified. <laughs> you know, so. Right. That's, yeah, cross-examination is uh, going to be fun. Oh, yes. Um, and there are a few things that I have... I've heard that people were unhappy about up to take that to a legal level with USPSA. And if they do that, um, there's been a lot of people, a lot of things afraid of being threatened because of lawsuits in USPSA. I think that was one of the biggest reasons that our, our president remained in there as long as he did, but uh, because he threatened to sue. So I want to make it transparent enough that, you know, let's, let's say you guys want 12 stages. If you get enough support, I could have a quantifiable survey out there that says, hey, guys, two-thirds of these guys want 12 stages. You know, let's let's put together a committee and take some stages and try to bring those in, make them provisional, uh, take a comment period on it, not just throw the rules out there and, you know, well, hey, I made up this new stage last night in the shower. Um, took a picture of a shower wall. Let's make it one. That, that's the way a lot of rule changes seem to be going. Um, 
flashlights seem like a good idea. Let's make flashlights legal. And hey, wait, 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 are where most dudes have their best ideas. That's all I'm saying. I, me too. But I think we should run it by some other people after the shower before we implement. Fair point. <laughs> Steve, don't make me pull up your Instagram page and show you show the video of you with a flashlight under your sig. Yes, sir. I have one. <laughs> you know what's funny? What's uh, that? I got accused of some dirty dealings there. Uh oh. It was Christmas time ish last year, and I wanted a new holster, so I bought myself a new holster for Christmas. It's the Carpe Nocturum holster. It's got a picture of like a skull, and it's this uh, Seize the Night, is what Carpe Nocturum means, um, versus Carpe Diem. Everybody knows what that means. So right. at the time I was carrying my 320, uh, like I said, I'm an 03, so I have a number of nine millimeter silencers and they work great. So uh, my bed stand gun, a lot of times is at 320 with a silencer on it and a heavier trigger. I don't use my competition FCU. So 20 rounds of nine millimeter subsonic and a flashlight and a silencer. Well, I wanted to carry that gun with a flashlight on it with my threaded barrel. So I order a new holster. And uh, they made these rule changes. And no crap, like days after this rule change, my holster shows up. <laughs> now, I waited like 35 days for this holster. But um, as soon as I post a picture of it, everybody's like, oh, he's a sponsored shooter. He pulled favors. He got his holster faster than all of us. And we're, we got to shoot nationals in a couple months and we don't have a holster. I offered any of our team guys shooting a 320 to ship them the holster until after nationals. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I had, I had the cool guy holster right before it became cool. And of course, all of our holsters, uh, can be ordered with the, um, uh, blade tech little triangle thing with the three holes. So, uh, I quickly took the paddle off of it and screwed it onto my competition drop rate. <laughs> so haven't really got to carry much with that, but, um, I, I am shooting with a flashlight on to see how well I like it. And I, I kind of like the muzzle weight out there. Um, I've always had okay. like the tungsten guide rod in that gun. Okay. I was pulling up the minutes real quick before I asked you a question. Um, uh -oh. Well, it, it, they seem to, the minutes have seemed to have gotten better. They have started um, increasing. And a lot of this stuff that I'm saying, the board has started moving. You know, I, I'll say, I'm to, to deal with Jake Martins, um, there was a time a year or two ago when there was some hate going on for Jake. And I have to say, I was, I was never vocal about it, but I was part of it. I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? And then the more I start looking, the more I keep seeing. Um, he wrote like seven or eight articles for this last uh magazine the front site magazine um mm -hmm. he's doing most of the instagram posts he was running national i don't know how we're supposed to have one man or one man and an assistant or two doing all the stuff that jake's doing um but i i think that uspsa has been doing a lot of stuff and i know that jake has worked to get these multi-gun rules um pushed out and i really thank him for that oh yeah he's got two podcasts to work on now <laughs> so um, I think the man is way overtasked. Um, I, I don't know exactly what he's paid, but I don't think it's enough at this point. Um, hopefully, uh, being if I if I can get elected president, I will help him with some of the uh, obviously the nationals events and stuff like that, um, because that is the the primary duty of the president. 
so would you so I, I did look over the um the bylaw changes earlier today because i hadn't had a chance to look at them and i just kind of skimmed over them real quick so it says you're either the match director or basically you farm it out to somebody so are you going to be farming it out to somebody and assisting them or how how do you plan on running well, nationals um so i i've always had a well, I, I, of course i talk about myself a lot here but I had a friend of mine say that I don't brag enough. Um, I, I've always believed in don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're doing. Um, I have volunteered for the USPSA Multigun Nationals. I did that specifically because a gentleman that I know named Shannon Smith, I think you guys might have had him on. If not, he's, he's a really cool guy. Possible. Um, he's, uh, he's one hell of a match director, including a world-class shooter. So I want to learn as much as I can from him. Uh, it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to look at it honestly and say, can Steve Moneypenny make a better match than the people that we have to be match director? If the answer is yes, I'm the match director and I'll be getting people to assist me. If the answer is no, I'll be farming that out to a match director and I will be assisting them. Um, Shannon is put on some amazing matches out there. I do know one of Shannon's weaknesses is communication. <laughs> um, Shannon's a man okay. of few words. If he says something, he means it, and that's exactly what it is. If he says something, there's a reason for him to say it. Um, I think he, I think somebody to uh, do a lot of the – let's just – just thinking of this way with in a match with Shannon, I think that Shannon's the best match director of uh, getting things done and putting him on the ground. I think somebody else that works with the sponsors and the coordinators does all the talking and all that juggling – um, would take a lot off of his plate and let him be an even better match director. Um, now, if I find, you know, if, if there's another very charismatic person, I might be a, a better person to organize and set that out there. Maybe, you know, we're, we're looking at a, it's a very unique presidency we're looking at here. I almost want to call it a lame duck presidency. And I don't mean that to anything to do with against me, Matt, or anybody else that might, might win. Right. You realize 18 months from now, we're going to be running again, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So it's going to be, what did you do as president? Well, in the last year, I've learned this organization needs a little, about 10 years worth of work. Uh, <laughs> so I don't feel that I, you know, I may not be able to run 2023 nationals, um, but I will definitely find the best person to do that that is willing to, if I can't. Uh, and, it, and it will come down to a decision of, you know, what what are the facts at the time? Okay. Um, talked about voting and and stuff like that earlier, uh, or a few minutes back. Now, what are your thoughts on live streaming the monthly BOD meetings and having live voting? And I will, I'll compare it to, I'm sure you guys are the same way in West Virginia as we are in Virginia. You have a board of county supervisors who sit up there um, and vote on stuff all the time. We're, where we work, they live stream that. Mm -hmm. So if oh, you're in the county, that, you, can, you can watch it and you can see them take the votes. You can hear them discuss stuff. You can, do, you can see and hear all of it. 
So what are your thoughts on setting up the board of directors like that, where the discussion is heard? There's an actual video library of these meetings that you can go and listen to. Clearly, they would have to time out for, um, you know, things that are executive privilege per se. Mm -hmm. But other than that. Um, I think it's awesome. I'll support it and I'll do everything I can to make it happen. I think that in the past, the, the events of the past 10 years have made people look at the, at the people that have been there for the past year or year and a half with a lot of disdain and not trusting what's happening. And I think we need to, we need to act like we're untrustworthy to prove that we're trustworthy. You know, put us under the microscope. If you think, if you think any of us are out there to do anything but the best for the sport, then, I mean, why would you be? What are you going to gain? Um, I do know that one person wanted a few years back. There was a person that got onto the board of directors that purely just wanted to go to the world shoot, and that was the best way to go. Um, and after the world shoot, they didn't run to get back on there. So yeah, there, there are some fringe benefits to, to being an area director, but they are, they're basically not totaling more than $5,000 a year. And when you realize how much travel costs and all that stuff, and if you guys are, if you guys are, are, are very, shoot very many majors and you, you math out your budget, it's not a whole lot of money. Um, and that's reimbursed. That's not, we're not handing them and they're not anybody handed five grand. Right. Um, but I think we need to be put under the microscope. We need to be putting out minutes uh, that are very detailed. If there's discussion involved, the gist of that discussion needs to be put out. You know, let's let's just say we want to talk about adding 22 division. Now, this is not this this is a hypothetical. Let's talk about adding a 22 division. Well, you know, there was discussion. Area four director laughed and said, "We're not a kids' sport." Area five director. Um, thought it was an amazing idea. And when it came down to vote, you know, this area director, you know, here's a roll call of the votes. And um, Area 7 said he dissented because of this and was against it, even though the motion passed. That type of thing needs to be put out there. Um, one of the other things is, as and as the president, I do have control over how the meeting goes. I'm really a lame duck in most of this, unless there's a tie to be broken. I don't really have a big vote, but I can make sure that the motions are stated, are clear and concise before accepting them. Um, people talk like the president has a lot of authority. They don't. The, 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 eight, the eight guys there have the most authority. The president officiates the meeting. And how that authority is used to make that meeting good, bad, short, long uh, can very much be tossed around. So for instance, if we're sitting there talking about something, I say, can I get a motion for that? And some other guy says, so moved. Well, that doesn't hold up in court. That's, that's BS for one thing. Um, so the motion is, doesn't even get clearly get stated and you get somebody that says, I'll second. Uh, the secretary may not even notice who that is that they're, they're trying to type and get that in. Um, so, you know, it, could you please clearly, clearly and concisely state your motion and then they can make that motion. Um, after that, the, the, the discussion happens and it needs to be noted. Then at the end of that, 
there's a vote and there should also be kind of a rebuttal of that vote for anybody that really disagrees with it. Um, and I think there should be a moratorium on how, how fast and how often we can change equipment rules. Um, and that's something that can be set right there. You can either say this, this will take effect, um, January 1st of 2023, this will take effect immediately. Um, the, the, the flashlight thing, they should have, they should have waited a year before that was a nationals thing because you had, you had people that already had their gear for that year. Um, they were already practicing and getting ready. So they felt the need to, or, and were compelled to go buy other holsters, flashlights, make something out of brass that had a light to come out the end of it. Um, yes, that's Phil. I love Phil Strader. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was only like two days before he was like sending that out to a few, a few of us that, that, that got it. Um, but had there been a, had there been a comment period that could have been, that could have been completely um, removed <clears throat> any, any of those crazy little issues, you know, the brass, the tungsten, all that stuff. So I think that answers all of it. Um, you know, how I think things should be ran, uh, the transparency of it. And if, if we're going to do something like it, I've been working on some three gun stuff. Um, and I make this jokingly a lot. I don't really drink that much, but um, some of your best idea, ideas, like you said, happen. It's water. Mine's water. Oh, I guess I need to step my game up. Um, <laughs> but some of your best ideas. Not water. When you're sitting around drinking with your buddies. Um, so January the 1st, I had a match. And I had a couple of my friends over that were uh, fairly accomplished shooters and been around. So I'm like, so, you know, if you guys were going to make a sport, hypothetically, what would you do? So it ended up with me taking notes for two hours on what we really boiled down to being a modified division, following a lot of the EPSIC rules. Um, and there, there's a there's kind of a movement right now with a few of the really big three-gun matches to bring in a modified division where you can throw a dot on any gun, all the guns. Um, you can have ported choke tubes and stuff like that or a, or a ported barrel in your shotgun um, and not be thrown completely to open class where you're competing against box-fed guns. So I think having a little bit of a moratorium on, I'm not going to say any no rule changes because there are some rules that just pop up that have to be changed. The, these bylaws had not been, they've been updated a lot. People act like they hadn't been, but they hadn't been correctly updated for quite some time. One of the things that was just truly disheartening and disappointing to me, um, it, during any meeting, any of the area directors could have looked up and said, I'd like to make a motion that we set the time and dates for the presidential special election. Some other guy could have said, I second it. And if it was me in that meeting, I would have done that in every meeting. I'd have, I'd have worn that guy's hand out right in that till somebody at least agreed to set the dates. Uh, there's no reason that we had to wait this long to know when the dates were going to be um, or to have the special election. Uh, the things that needed to be changed could have been quickly changed. Um, for instance, you know, not being able to run if you'd been expelled. Um, and then the other stuff that were just basically bylaws updates that were because of changes in in legal structure in the state of 
Washington and in the state of Delaware. They could have been done later on. It, they didn't have to be done before the presidency. Um, but I think being completely transparent about what we're doing, what we're thinking about, and all of that is paramount at this point. As for the executive sessions, the reason you go into that executive session, um, it can be told. Uh, I can say we're going into executive session to discuss employee issues. I can say that we're going into executive session to discuss the nationals budget and offers of other uh, and offers of ranges. That is that those are reasons why you would take executive session. Those can be pushed off to the end of the meeting. They can be pushed off or, or, or placed up front so that we don't have people sitting there staring at blank monitors um, and, and things like that. But why those executive sessions happen, they need to be there. And as a leader of that meeting, we need to make sure that the discussion is only of that topic. Uh, West Virginia, and I know Virginia has some laws. They call them, there's two, there's two laws that come to mind. Uh, they're nicknamed, one of them is the Sunshine Act. And the other is Open Government and Procedures Act. The Open, Open Government Meetings and Procedures Act basically states you have to have an agenda. You're not allowed to talk about what's not on that agenda. And if there's an action item required, it is to be on that agenda as an action item. Those are the things that our county commissions, like you guys were talking about there, and it's a very it's a parliamentary procedure that has to be done. And I think enacting some of that, maybe even putting into our bylaws, that it shall be done that way, will protect us, will protect our board of directors, and will... Um, make us more transparent for the future. I don't want to, I don't want to come in here and have a flashbang, have a few great nationals. Everybody talk what a great president Steve Moneypenny was and be gone. I want to build this organization to be better than what it was before. And, um, I, I know some of the guys that actually created some of this. I've, I've had dinner with Bill Wilson. I shot at Ken Hackathorn's home range. I've had a lot of discussions with him about the differences and the changes in the sport. Um, you know, Todd Jarrett's been there for decades. Um, he's, the, he's the first guy I ever saw shoot fast. <laughs> um, so I, I know most of these guys, and I know they want to see this sport prosper, and they want to see us do things that are going to be, one, financially intelligent and stable and make this sport something that we can pass on to our kids and our grandkids. Okay. All right, I've um, I've got a pretty important. There's been a lot of talk about um, people who were banned for life and then allowed back in, and and things like that. So I've got something um, that I want to show you, and we're going to hypothetically pretend that you're the president, and I want to know. If this was brought to your attention, how you would handle it? Oh, I see what he's saying now. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm like, going, okay, that, that wall. Then, <laughs> Are you okay, Leo? <laughs> I know it's not loaded, and I know he's not going to shoot me, but he's literally pointing that at my image right now, and it's freaking me out, man. I know. It's just, you're, you're like, well, for me, where are you at? You're yeah. like, so you have someone who virtually shoots another person in the face. 
<laughs> Why? Why? There are not a lot of good things about my body. One of them is my face. That looks the like others are my calves. Animal. But my face, man. <laughs> so, so does Huggy get a, a life ban? <laughs> If it were uh, up to him, I'd have no bottom jaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I like to play that whenever I get a chance. <laughs> I, I try to work it in because it's hysterical. Oh, Because it's not your face. I will never live it down. This, never, ever. The nope. only reason I'm still alive right now is because we're not in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> and it was air. I was going to say it was CEO. It was the cool fire trainer, Jason Lee. The cool fire okay. trainer. It would have been the laser that killed you, not the. Uh, I would have gone air. blind and never be able to be a pilot. <laughs> never have killed people so many times. You know, this. I think those cool fire trainers. They might throw a BB or something out if you're not careful with that. There's there's luck compressed gas there. Did you learn, did you learn anything from Alec Baldwin? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think Alec Baldwin should have watched my video. Maybe he would learn something. Maybe. I yeah. doubt it. I think he did watch your video. Learn how to get <laughs> yeah. away with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the, those are the questions I had prepared, guys. Do you have any follow-ups? Uh, mine isn't as – it's sort of a question. So – uh, it's it's a comment, and I would like your opinion on because we, we you talked about multi gun and three gun and kind of why you don't know why like you gave a couple of your reasons why you think more people don't participate in three gun um, as somebody who's interested in it. I think I being on the range and talking to people that are either interested in it or myself being interested. I think the biggest limiting, in my opinion, factor isn't necessarily that people are nervous about the shotgun or whatever. I think it's, you have this, you're already at a expense limit for some people with either your pistol and your PCC or your pistol and your rifle. If you're doing two gun and now it's like, Hey, I want to be competitive. So I need a good shotgun. And that shotgun comes with, I need the, the rig so I can get my, my quad loads and all that jazz that people see John Wick doing whatever. And now it's like, I got to get all that stuff to wherever I'm going so I can be next Keanu. And then it's mm -hmm. like, I got to get a cart that looks like I'm pushing a baby. And people are like, why is there a gun in your cart instead of a human? So I, I think in my opinion, from what I have been able to glean and just talking to people on the range, a lot of it is expense. So do you think that a that's valid and B, even if it is or isn't, is there something that overarching USPSA could do to, to adjust that expense, I guess? Well, um, I, first of all, if you want to talk about expensive, I want you to Google PRS rigs. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, I'm I see good. you got I'm... some rifles back there. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not yeah. talking about I think just you're right. Yeah. A lot of people think, you know, look at it and say, I'm never going to use that shotgun for anything. Why do I need to spend $3,000? Right. Uh, the rest of us look out there and go, $3,000 for a shotgun. Okay. Yes. And I cut out of my budget so I can afford exactly. that shotgun. You know? <laughs> um, 
So, you know, I, I'll tell you, I've ate a lot of Raymond noodles. Um, I, I've ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh, I bought a Corvette by eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and not eating out for three years. Uh, <laughs> Dedication. So, um, it, it's, it's choices. But right. I, I think the shotgun part is something that for a lot of people, there is a disconnect. Um, first things first, our cops do have shotguns. They don't use them very much. Uh, the military has shotguns. They use them very, very little. Uh, so I think the two gun would allow a lot more veterans that have that experience with the AR platform just to, to walk in and do that. Um, I don't like to get too much into the tactical aspect, but in the, the bottom line is these are all war sports. Um, your, your pistol is a defensive thing. You use your handgun to fight your way to your rifle. And if you don't have a rifle, you are devastatingly undergunned in a, a combat situation. Uh, but these, these aren't things that most people think of for home defense, but you know, it's not just us home defense people that are out there. Uh, there's a lot of military. There's a lot of law enforcement out there. Uh, we had, um, there's a lot of jokes out there about police officers and their marksmanship. Um, the reason there are a lot of jokes out there is there's, there's a lot of issues with police officers and their marksmanship. Um, in our area, we're, we're a rural area, Huggy knows. Uh, the, the discharge of firearms, there are more deer shot than there are usually rounds used for target practice because they got hit by a car. Um, I had a friend of mine who became a police chief for a small department. I was in Parsons and he's like, what would you do if you were police chief? I'm like I put rifles in all my cruisers with silencers on them. And he's like, what? And I'm like, well, first things first, you know, anybody out there that's got a handgun that driving around during deer season? No, everybody's got rifles. So if you have a problem with somebody, you got a problem with a guy with a rifle that your body armor doesn't work against. And second of all, where do you discharge your firearms at the most? Well, shooting deer. And how well does your handgun do with that? And how many shots is your average? He looked at me for a second. I'm like, so instead of determining the neighborhood, one pop and the problem is solved. They didn't have a round that went somewhere else. And you're done. And he's like, oh, that's, that's a really good idea. I'm like, not to mention the fact any monkey can shoot a rifle within 30 yards and not accidentally shoot something they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot of safety stuff. So I think people learning to use carbines is, is a very good thing. We have a lot of people out there that already are. I know my local sheriff's department has about two thirds of the cars that have a SIG M400 in them. Um, so raising that level of proficiency with a rifle, I think would be awesome for everybody and competition does that. It raises everybody's level of proficiency. Um, and again, most people, I mean, there's only a handful of people that are actually going to use a shotgun like we have. Um, and I mean, they're not even really good shotguns for birds or anything like that. Cause they have 12 round tubes and stuff like that. So I think that barrier of entry, um, does affect a lot of people. Is it the money? I'm going to say 10 or 15%. Um, okay. because these guys, if you've ever been to a three, have you shot much three gun? I've shot one match. Okay. So when you look at average income of people, when I was a USPSA shooter, that was myself. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Jake DeVita. He was a GM from Michigan. He, we all came up about the same time Steve Anderson did. Um, 
Jake and I were unemployed, so we put zero on the survey of how much money does a USPSA shooter make. So with our two zeros in there, everybody still made an average of $75,000 a year in 2006. So you're not talking about really poor people there. Um, I'm going to say with three gun, you're talking about an average of people that make 80 to 90,000 a year minimum. So they have enough expendable income that, that that's not going to hurt. Uh, if you notice three gun matches cost a lot more to get into than USPSA matches. Yeah. And speaking as a person that I'm, I'm, I don't like to brag that I'm a sponsored shooter. Do you know what sponsored shooter means? It's kind of like, I will work for food. Um, once you've been in this sport for a few years, you realize that oh, I'm sponsored does not mean you're good. It means you can sell gear. You're willing to do things other people aren't and you build relationships. Um, so I've known Bob with Red Hill Tactical for over 15 years. And um, I've known the Blue Bullets guys for a lot of years. So I work very closely with them and helping out some of their sponsored shooters and stuff. I'm one of the captains of the Red Hill Tactical shooting team. And one of my duties is three-gun match sponsorship. I don't do a lot because where $250 to $500 will get you a good sponsor slot in a USPSA match or an IDPA match, they start at $2,500 in a lot of three-gun matches. Uh, there's a lot. I don't want to say, I'm not saying this, is, there's a lot of money to be made there, USPSA. I'm saying that there's a lot of money that changes hands. Um, that said, they have to have more props, targets that'll take rifle steel. There's reasons they're more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think the people that are going to shoot multi-gun are really going to pay attention to a $3,000 shotgun or the ammo to feed it, which is cheaper than a rifle, but equally expensive to a pistol. Right. Um, but I, I do feel that it, there are a lot of people that would shoot two gun that don't shoot three gun because of that shotgun. Yeah. I, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for that. That's all I had. This is kind of going back to guests getting to know you even better because being that you're from, you know, the West End Glenville area, yeah. I can ask these questions. So, um, so you already told us that you're, you know, being a sponsor for Blue uh, Blue Bullets and everything like that. I've seen a couple of pictures of you with the cool Blue Bullet jersey and everything on. So uh, does your wife shoot with you? Does she compete uh, with you? We've been engaged for a long time. She has, I have drug her into one steel challenge match. Um, she shot a friend's 1022, which I've now built a 1022 for her. Um, it's kind of funny because I teach concealed carry weapons classes and I also do road rallies and car cruises and stuff like that. So I met her on a, a car cruise. Um, and then I started talking to her about, she's like, what do you do? Well, I don't throw my first job out there mainly because what do I do is it's more like what am I passionate about? And that's, you know, I, well, I'm a firearms instructor. Um, I do this and that. And she said, well, really? Well, and her dad wanted a concealed carry class. So they set up a concealed carry class. So our second date was me teaching her entire family to shoot guns. <laughs> I don't know if that's smart or not, but nobody has killed me yet. <laughs> um, but she does shoot. Um, she does not compete, and I'm thankful for that because I could not afford the ammo for both of us to compete. <laughs> right. <laughs> I figured you probably reload yourself. So, I mean, yeah. I, 
So, uh, and speaking of reloading, do you, uh, what system do you use when you're reloading? All of them. Okay, right. <laughs> okay, so I use a Dillon 1050 for my nine millimeter match stuff. Um, I have a 550 with an external swager on it I use for most of my rifle. I don't reload on a lot of rifle because there's not as much money to be saved in it. But right. where, where, where I'm on the Blue Bullets team, of course, I get a discount. Um, and the coated bullets, there's a, a drastic, there's a reason they're number one. It's that you can save money over the copper jacket bullets. Um, so I can really knock down a lot of the expense there. The nine millimeter brass is, is fairly inexpensive and it's easy to reload. Really a 223 is a pain in the butt. Um, getting everything in and out of the neck. I don't reload any shotgun. I have a square deal B that I just I bought years ago and I set up for my 45. Um, I have a 550 that I load most of my 40 and 38 special and stuff like that on that don't require swaged primer pockets. And I have a single stage that I do what little bit of precision rifle and stuff that I do, uh, do on that. So I'm also an 06 FFL. So I do do some custom reloading for, for folks. Um, I have a, a customer that bought a very nice 50 cal that he's wanting to shoot a mile and a half with. So that's, that requires some very intricate custom loading. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I can understand that. Uh, I see you said you like muscle uh, well, cars and particularly I, there's a gentleman down there. I call him dad, you know, pretty much the black sheep of the family with him. <laughs> no pun intended on the black sheep part, <laughs> but uh, you probably, yeah, you probably know him as uh, Danny Maxwell. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. I knew you were going to laugh. Danny. Oh yes. Danny and I are very close. He's like my dad um, and everything. So what is your favorite car muscle car or wow I, my, my, I have the same problem with cars as i do guns and i used to have them before my, my fiance i love them all ah uh, um, okay is that chevy nova <laughs> <laughs> I'm say my, my favorite car ever was it's also you know defined by when i kind of got into shooting i've got two of them one is the ws6 trans am mm. which i have two of Oh. One WS6 and one regular Trans Am, and uh, the second gen Viper GTS. In blue, gotcha. just that one. nice, not the other one, nice. just blue with white. I don't have that yet. Um, I was actually looking at Vipers when I bought my C5 Corvette, but the, the, the barrier to entry wasn't too far apart. But every single part for the Viper cost a lot. Of money. Uh, the headers were double. Uh, Cam was a lot of ramen. That hmm? a lot of ramen. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could have sustained that for too many more years. Uh, but I'm also six foot four, and I weigh in about three hundred pounds. Viper's pretty tight. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a very tight car. That's why I don't have a Corvette myself because I ain't gonna fit in it. <laughs> so, but all right. So uh, here's here's another. I guess. I saw that you volunteer as a firefighter at one time, or you still do? I don't, no, I I've, I've never been a fireman. Uh, I think running into a burning building is insane. Yeah, oh. I don't know why people look the same, Huggy. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> and my I bad. couldn't have my beard if I was a fireman because you have to put a breathing apparatus on. No. Well, I understand that, but you know what? It's it's out in the West End Glenville area. 
things happen differently. I just happened to saw where you uh, had something going on with the volunteer fire department. So I, I was like, oh. with them as much as I can. I try to give them some funding at times. Um, I teach at a lot of fire departments. Okay. Um, that, that does help bring them in some money for their meeting rooms too. Right. Um, I have a lot of friends that are firemen and joking aside, I, I work with a lot of them. Technically with my emergency management, I am a first responder. Um, they, they have been pulled out to do traffic duty and a number of things, different times. Um, but no, I'm, I'm never, I would never claim to be a, a fireman or a police officer. I haven't, I haven't served that and done that duty. Right. Uh, I, I have, a, I have a follow-up question that I'm going to interrupt Huggy on. Can you give me, since you're here, can you give me your best, like, traffic direction hand gestures? What's up with this? Yeah. You stop. All right, you can go. Yeah, right. Pretty much. It's yeah. just using, using a whole hand to point because – Yeah. Using a whole hand to point with because people don't pay attention too much. Um, when we did this COVID thing, we gave – 700 to 800 shots a day for the first four or five clinics. And that's not much for you guys that live near a big city. But when you realize that our entire town has 5,000 people and there's 17,000 in my whole county, um, that was a pretty big accomplishment. Um, so getting those folks to back up, um, getting them to trust me to tell them when to stop before they hit something, <laughs> was well, a, they were just probably looking in the rear view, like I'm going to get eaten by a giant if I get out of yeah. my car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it's it's rather hilarious to 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 see how many people, you know, other lane, you know, right? <laughs> I better run. Right. Well, I have to say, uh, fortunately for me, uh, the chief over there in Burnsville happens to be my brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> so, so yeah, Kenny Kenny Summers. Happens to be my brother-in-law over there, so I, I get to get to have fun when I go down there. And Where do you call home day. now? Front Royal Virginia is my home, oh. so that's where I'm at. But we go back to Glenville as much as possible, uh, and I love it back there. I love it. I have so much fun. It's like it's actually. I feel like it's actually my home because that's. I feel peace and I have lots of fun. It's the only place I know. You can get it side by side and just drive into town and be like, nobody's going to say anything. Yeah, and that was illegal up until this year or last exactly. year. Exactly. It was illegal, but nobody cared. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I love it. I, and I go deer hunting back there on Venori Ridge and, uh, oh, and all that. Or a piece up the creek. Yes. <laughs> so, it's like 500 feet of creek when you go to go up this, this thing. You have to drive up the creek. There's no other way yes. to get Yep. So I love it. I, that's like, it's basically home for me. So uh, question for you. I know you talked about shotguns and I know you, I've seen you shoot shotguns on, on a YouTube uh, video. Uh, but what is your favorite shotgun? What is the shotgun that you shoot? My next one. Okay. <laughs> the uh, My favorite shotgun of all time is the Benelli M1. Um, I stupidly traded mine off. I got on this whole Brita kick whenever they were coming in. Um, because I couldn't get some service for that M1 from Benelli at the time. Some things have changed, but not enough to make me get another one. Um, the Breda, the last three, 30 shotguns they sent in, three of them worked. So the guy that was importing them said, look, guys, I can't handle this. I can't do this. So Bredas are no longer being imported by the same importer. 
Um, I, I fixed a few of them for my customers. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, they work like a vanilla M2. Um, they're a copy of the vanilla M2. The reason right. in Europe, if you, if I, if you make a patent, if Huggy patents his, his blue shirt there, um, it doesn't stay with the company that paid him while he was making that patent. He can go work for somebody else and make that exact same thing. The patent goes with the inventor. Um, so basically the guy that was the inventor of the Benelli recoil shotgun system, um, the inertia system went to Breda and sure. that's how that got. And he, he also designed some newer stuff while he was there too. Um, but they, they, the Italians just seemed like they wanted to sell more guns in Europe than they did in the U S they sent them the best, the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. They're great guns. Um, until they started having little small part quality issues. Um, and anybody that's got a Breda that doesn't work, um, pick up a couple Benelli parts for it. You can order them from Midwest Gunworks, I think it is. Uh, if you need somebody to install them, give me a shout or any other. You know, I think Hayes Custom Guns does a ton of shotgun work. Um, Lan and Mike Whitesides do with the uh, Dissident Arms. There, there's a lot of parts. We can still make them run. Don't ditch your shotgun. I still run mine, so I run the Breda B12i. Um, at the time, there was only a handful of them in the U.S., and uh, Jeff told me, he said, well, I can get you one, but if you if I get you one, it's going to have to be a camo gun. I'm like, okay. He's like, what color do you want? I'm like, the one that shoots. <laughs> <laughs> so you shouldn't be shooting a, a camo shotgun. Um, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me what it looks like. I'm going to throw it in the barrel. I'm going to beat it up. Um, that That's what it's for. It's a tool. So... It's a tool. It's probably what I'll be shooting at the uh, three gun or multi gun nationals. Yeah, that's what they're called, multi gun. Um, I think there's a division that allows 308 rifle and 40 Smith and Wesson pistol. Oh. So I'll be shooting that. <laughs> 320 set up and 40 for limited. And uh, I happen to have a, a stash of 308 ammo. And a couple of years ago, I kind of wanted to go heavy. So I built an identical rifle to my my three gun rifles built on a 2a upper and lower and i bought a 2a upper and lower for 308 and they're they're bigger than xanthos and oh. i've kind of had that as a tactical gun since then but it's getting a comp and a little bit of trigger work and it's going to be used at three gun nation or, or three gun multi-gun nationals nice i know i know you made leo happy especially with the 40 caliber because he yeah, loves they make fun caliber. of me <laughs> it, it's hurtful they forget i have feelings you can make poppers fall down what can they do funny story i really can't because i can't hit steel <laughs> well then you'll scare one over you that's, can give me a thing. you could give me a hand grenade and i'd probably still not knock that thing over steel it still doesn't like me well Magnetic. I mean, if I hit it, it'll fall, but board. it's going to take a minute, so it's it's fine. I will have to say, Steve, that was probably the reason why last well last year, year before last, I'm sorry, year before last, when we went to nationals and shot, and we Leo and I had a bet going on who would win that day's overall event. Um, who to be, would buy. to be very clear? Who would win us one on one? Not obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Against yeah, yeah. other competitors. Yeah, against, not against other competitors. It was just him and I. And the loser would buy appetizers for dinner that night. Nice. And the I'm going to tell you. didn't win. Right, the person, loser. We have, uh, again, feelings. 
Uh, my bad. I'm sorry. The loser <laughs> by appetizers. And I will have to honestly say, if it hadn't been for that steal, I would have lost. But <laughs> steel was my friend. And I was like, a lot like, of money that week. It's a long <laughs> week. Yes. So, did you go to Nationals this last year? No, I didn't. Okay. We were still hiding from COVID. He's gotcha. six foot a million. We would have seen him. <laughs> I was just checking. Yeah. Just He's checking. the height of most national champions. So Right, right, right. So yeah, we would have noticed. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, one other question I had for you was the uh, what is the best restaurant in Weston? I can't answer that. Well, actually, I can right now. Uh, <laughs> well, I think there's about a three-way tie going on. Uh, there's a restaurant named Buns that just came in. It's ran by John Nash. Buns is really good. It's got great burgers, great pizza. If you want something that's not a hamburger, a pizza, or some wings, uh, they got Giovanni's. Now, mm -hmm. if you can spend a lot of money and get some really nice food, the Time Bistro's in there. Um, but the Hickory House has kind of raised its prices and shrunk its menu a lot. So... I love John, but I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't throw it in the top anymore. Gotcha. A nice little restaurant in Jane Lou called the uh, Lightburns. Mm -hmm. It has really great food. I've never gotten anything bad there. I eat out way too much. <laughs> well, well, when I come back into town, I definitely, definitely going to look you up and swing by, uh, and maybe we'll have to go out to dinner at one of the. Restaurants got, there. I've got steel. I've got a range. We have matches. Um, my my range is actually on my family farm. So it oh, was okay. uh, me between me and my cousins. There's uh, about 700 acres. Nice. So uh, find out on. which one of those cousins dated his wife. <laughs> I really uh, want to know. One, of, one cousin's in Ohio, and the other one's up near the uh, Romney, Hampshire County area, and he's older. So probably uh, probably not none of them. Yeah, Romney is just right down the road from me, so that's, that's not too far. So, but uh, oh yeah, I actually go down to uh, a lot of times when I build my own rifles and stuff like that. Uh, I built three hundred eights, and I've taken them to the range over there behind, um, on the other side there of the college. Mm -hmm. Inside them in, that's usually where I take them. Um, my wife's son still lives in Glenville. There, his name is Brian Summers. So I think I know him. That's weird. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> and we used to go up there. Uh, her her brothers still live there, and also, so I'm for sure you probably know all of them because it's a small town. You know how it goes. Global population six hundred when the college isn't in, and twelve hundred when it is. Exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, like I said, when I get in town, I'm definitely gonna call you. Or swing by, and uh, like I said, I definitely bring my guns so that uh, we can get together. And then you also want to have to tell me when the, uh, the local matches because when I come in town, a lot of times I want to shoot, but I, I don't know what what there is around. So I think this is awesome. Um, so I thank you very much for coming on the show. I think this is awesome. So thanks for definitely, having us. Definitely. It's crazy how small the shooting world really is. Yes. You know, 
This is, is more talking than Huggy's done in 70 previous episodes. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. I would like to point out Rain Man over here is like just Jack John all night long. <laughs> I mean, some of us have to go to bed. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Jeez. Yeah, leave the man alone. <laughs> all right. It's like the family. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm so excited. Shop and, uh, Red Hill Tactical Shop up at Hagerstown. And uh, then head on up to uh, York, PA. I'm taking my... Uh, an RO class for the third time for first RO class um, to get my certification re-up. So I work nationals, do all that. Then two weeks later, I'm taking the CRO class. And um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm trying to prepare. Right. Uh, if I do manage to win, I don't want to be, oh, yeah, I won. Now what? You know, it should just be X, Y, Z, put this in motion. And uh, I'm also kind of got my job here set up that uh, they, they made it a full-time job, but there's a part-time job instead of full-time, but there's no way it's a part-time job. I'm not going to get into the, the math and stuff of it now, but uh, I w I, I'm, I'm pledging to be a full-time president because uh, I think there's a lot more work that needs done. Wow. Dave got cute really quick. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As many horses yeah. showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think being a full-time job, there's a lot more that can be done. And, you know, when it's your when it's your primary goal and objective, I think mountains can be moved if you're willing to work for it. There you go. Well, cool. All right. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate your time and, and the information and hope to see you on the range. Oh, definitely. And we'll see you next Thursday, right? The 24th. Absolutely. That's see right. You later. Thanks for having me. It was a great time, guys. Thank you very much, Thank Mr. Penny. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm.